Welcome back to another episode of Talent Talk. Whatever your listening preference, you can find our feature interviews on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and of course on UNFOspreys.com. Don't miss our chats with student-athletes, coaches, alumni, and Ospreys and the pros. Now, let's get to today's episode. And Welcome back. It's edition number 46 of Talent Talk. Uh, for the first time on this podcast, we have head coach of the men's soccer team, Derek Marinados. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, Derek. Uh, you've been, it's been about a decade now at UNF, but uh, give, a, give a quick rundown of who you are and some of your proud moments here. So, yeah, going into my 10th season, uh, when I took over, obviously a young head coach in my 30s and, and now not as young, uh, given that I've been here a decade. Well, obviously, when I took the program over, there was a lot. We, we had made the transition in Division One, but hadn't really had any traction. And so one of the things coming in was really focusing on recruiting and setting a high standard with the culture. And, you know, I think we were able to do that and getting to the finals in my third year um, and having storied run. I, I like to think of it that we're always a year behind Driscoll in terms of, uh, of, terms of what we've accomplished, uh, kind of like what he did when he had that dream run to the finals against Belmont the year before, and then we went to the finals the next year. The year after that, you know, we went to the finals again, but I don't think we had our best performance um, against Gulf Coast. And then, you know, we were at Lipscomb. We had been the one seed killers for two years in a row. And then the third year, we were able to get over the hump with our dramatic 7-0 victory in the finals <laughs> in 2015, kind of the culmination, having some guys that had been with us all four years and seen the program start with not much to, to getting to that level and getting to the NCAAs to having an MLS draft pick and, and two or three, I think three or four other pros um, during that time period and then obviously winning in 16. So, you know, the last couple of years, I think we've had our down moments in 17 and 18, but we never finished lower than third um, in the league. So always in the league, I felt like we were competitive being that we, we finished in the top three pretty much for the last five years. Um, and then coming into this year, there's high expectations coming off the spring. Um, the spring, obviously, some changes in the staff with a new coaching staff with Clayton Zeeland as our associate head coach and um, Jake Weinshank as our assistant coach and then Eric Bracey as our volunteer. And I got to mention Denise, who's been phenomenal uh, as a manager and so I think the turnover and like reestablishing the culture and changing and tweaking a few things in terms of our process um, has really paid off because we've become a lot more defensively organized than what we were able to accomplish last fall. And then coming into the spring, you know, to go toe to toe with the Rowdies who were Eastern Conference final champions, we played against that team mm -hmm. um, in the spring and stood toe to toe with them for almost 80 minutes. And then to get a result 0-0 at UCF, who had been one of the highest scoring teams and shut them out at their place, um, it really set the standard up until COVID mm -hmm. um, heading into this fall. But this fall, we've seen uh, that we're a lot more experienced as a group. And I think we brought in some nice pieces from an attacking standpoint. A lot of things that you could touch on there. Um, going back to that, you guys played the Rowdies, played UCF in the spring. Um, you know, things got shut down in March and then you kind of had to regroup and, and plan things differently for, to prepare your guys. Uh, what did you do in the summer? How'd you emphasize keeping them sharp? Well, I mean, I think it started really in, in April and a lot of credit to Clayton and Jake for coming up with a plan of, all right, we really need to keep them engaged. We need to be making, you know, meeting with them. We were meeting with them three times a week when it was allowed. And then we dropped down to two in the summer. Um, and 
those were fo focused on, you know, going over our core values and principles as a group so they could apply daily actions in terms of what we want them doing on a day-to-day -day basis to keep growing. And then we did some tactical presentations comparing what we were trying to do tactically to like say a team like Red Bull Leipzig, um, who was successful as a mid-major kind of, if you will, in the German mm -hmm. Bundesliga and seeing what they employed and some of the things that they did on the counter, just to apply and show some of our clips compared to what they're trying to do. I thought that was unique and it kept our guys engaged and I think they really enjoyed it. Uh, and, and it promoted some conversation because we couldn't train together. Yeah. Uh, and the third thing we did was we brought on some phenomenal guest speakers um, like Jay Bolt. We had Alex Burrell. We had Gary Chartrand who got to tell a story of, of building Acosta. Um, Clayton brought on a former pro friend of his. We had Darren Powell from, um, from Inter FC from Miami, who's a pro coach who used to be the Elon coach. So the guest speakers, they also said there wasn't a bad one that we had. And I felt like each story was a little bit unique. Um, and the guys were, as, as the coaching staff was really engaged and sitting on the edge of our seat, listening to some of these guys share their stories. Mm -hmm. You guys, uh, just from my observation, it always seems like you're doing some creative things and whether it's, you know, you, Jay, Clayton, or Eric, um, and obviously it, you know, runs in your family to be a little bit entrepreneurial. Is that something you guys try to emphasize is, you know, being creative and, and training your kids and showing them different examples of how teams win? I mean, I, I think you gotta, you gotta think outside the box, you know, we want to run a really, if you want to run a successful soccer program, it's like running a successful business in terms of building the culture and feeling like guys have buy-in and ownership. And I think that we put a lot of ownership on them. Um, and then from the standpoint of getting ideas, we, we, we pride ourselves, I think, on trying to think outside the box. I work with Irvin. So we're always coming up with suggestions and, and asking questions in advance and trying to be proactive. I think when you're stagnant is when you're reactive and going, oh, I didn't plan for that. So I think being proactive and trying to think two, three, four weeks ahead, that's how we built the summer in. I mean, everyone's tired of Zooms. Mm -hmm. So but while the summer was creative, we never lost their attention. Um, the other thing I'd like to mention is just our, our leaders. Um, LJ Estes, Adam Everett, Herbie Steigelman, they're, you know, three of the, the – LJ's our head captain. We have the two assistant captains. They're great leaders. Um, and when we've been successful here in 15 and 16, we had great leaders. Mm -hmm. Casey Coronas, Jay Bolt, these guys are great leaders. They exemplify what you'd want in all areas of, of life. And I think that's really helped us knowing that the guys can look to guys that play for, that they play with that are going to set an example in all aspects of life. And we've got that with them. So I think having them and knowing that they were doing stuff behind the scenes with keeping the guys engaged and being creative, like a running group, you know, post your time. And it wasn't to us, it was to themselves. Mm -hmm. That kind of creativity, I think, lent itself to, to development and growth over the summer when other people were just sitting still. Mm -hmm. So as far as the season, it's, things have been a moving target. How have you guys been able to stay sharp when you have been able to get out and train? Well, I think the first thing is we, we, we came in early, obviously, in mm -hmm. hopes that we were going to have a fall season. And when that turned in the first week or so and the conference made a decision, we were already in 20 hours and doing the two weeks of non-contact. Now we had to be a little bit creative there because the non-contact and the pods and the separate groups, that was a little bit different. But once we got out of that stage, we feel like because the new guys had been on so many Zooms that they had some ideas of our, of our system and how we wanted to play, 
that it was a little bit easier because there wasn't as steep a learning curve. And then the trainings and the scrimmages and knowing that we had to build in and keep the guys engaged. Our guys wanted to train. So I feel like we really came fast out of the gates in August, September, and we're really grinding and, and getting at it. And the guys were really engaged. So from that standpoint, and then we had looked to have some scrimmages like Friday Night Lights, which we had pitched to the, to the staff to have like family and friends of the program. Um, and then unfortunately we had to back off that because of the result of injuries, numbers, COVID, we decided let's hold off on that and keep that closed door given where our, our fluctuating in numbers. Because um, if we had to go 11 aside and you, you're throwing a coach on, you don't really want to have fans. Sure. Um, and, and I'm thankful that I have young coaches that can still hop on and play with our guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as far as you and maybe other people on your staff that you're willing to speak for, what have you guys learned um, as coaches about yourself? What, has there any, been any growth in different areas you didn't think would happen because of how things have changed? I mean, yeah. I mean, me personally, I got to focus on trying over the summer. I feel like I really attacked a level of fitness and wanting to come back for myself, but that kind of fell off the wagon when I kicked <laughs> my back uh two weeks before the season but that's something i hope to get at over break um and then from their standpoint just sharing ideas you know normally we have a coaches retreat we couldn't do that this year but because we were on so many zooms and we had a lot we, we had our systems in place i think that was the biggest key is that from the spring to the fall knowing that we had a returning group that understood our system um and the things that we've implemented it allowed us to grow and focus on other areas that we wouldn't have if we're like trying to rebuild a locker room or whatnot. I mean, Jake and I were spraying, spraying, we were spray painting lockers to touch them up to create a really nice, clean, professional environment in there. We'll do whatever it takes as a staff. But I think really it was thinking outside the box. Okay, if the season gets canceled, how are we gonna approach this? The hours, you know, they were, they all of a sudden they said, you gotta meet the number of days for the fall and spring we got creative there. We were the first to pitch to compliance. Hey, can we alternate eight hour, 20 hour weeks so we can continue to do our scrimmages and really not drop our loads that much? Um, that was something that we thought outside the box on and then they challenged and we were able to do. So things like that, that mm -hmm. once, you're, once the culture's in place, the leadership's good, the standard is set, then you can really attack some of those other areas and make some gains and, and get creative with solving problems in real time with COVID. As far as when you got on the pitch this year, um, what has training been like? What are the things you've been emphasizing, you know, uh, you know, for in terms of hard skills and, and execution? Um, well, one of the things that we were really sound defensively. So building on that, I think we wanted to impose our will on the game a little bit more and playing a little bit more football in terms of, you know, in 15 and 16, we were this heavy possession oriented team. Now we've come really well, become really well defensively organized. So one of the things we emphasized improving on was our ability to set up in phase three and four and, and control possession and keep a tin pinned in and defending. That was one. Two was being more decisive and dynamic uh, in transition on the counter from an attacking standpoint. Um, and the third thing was scoring more goals. So, sure. you know, we're working on our attack, working on our finishing um, and being clean there. Because again, the other stuff that we've done in the past in terms of pattern play or our defensive shape and habits, a lot of the guys that are already here know that. It's just getting it down to, you know, finely tuned with the new guys. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as some guys that people haven't had a chance to see yet and you've seen a lot of, 
I'm sure you want to mention, you know, everybody, but any, any people that you want to bring up and say, Hey, they've had a great fall so far. We're excited to have yeah, them on I mean, in the spring. Obviously there's, we've got Zach board, Alejandro, um, Lopez is an exciting player from TV. Those are both from TVU. Um, Giovanni Brown has shown some, some flashes as a nine coming from the junior college. Uh, Igor Martins from Broward um, has done some good things. Um, Jackson is, is a center back that we brought in that's shown some capabilities from Real, Colorado, getting an out-of-state kid. Um, you know, Miguel Nino got injured. Malcolm Lewis is a guy that suffered an injury in the fall but was doing really well before he got injured. And we'll get back in the spring at some point by February. He was a guy that we could probably have counted on for minutes in the midfield. Um, and even Holden Jacecki, the, the freshman keeper that we brought in as the third, he's so athletic. And, and he's so far ahead of almost any goalkeeper I think I've ever had mm. as a freshman. And he's got year to develop behind mm -hmm. Gilly and, and Carlos um, right now. And, and he's, you know, the three of them are competing and there's, there's not a huge gap. So that's great mm -hmm. to see as well from a guy that, you, you know, might not play for you. Mm -hmm. um, so from that standpoint with the group, you know, we're excited. I know as a goalkeeper yourself, it's always exciting to see how they're working behind uh, or in front of the net there, uh, no doubt. Um, looking ahead, spring is going to be the season. It's going to be, in, you know, you're going to be playing in, in 2021, and it's a different time of the year for college soccer. Um, going through your, what are things going through your mind as far as how you're going to balance that versus, you know, a different recruiting schedule, you know, just playing in a different time of year, slightly different climate, you know, everything like that. Well, I mean, the fall, obviously, all we've been able to do is train. Any recruiting we've done has been on film. We're hoping that changes in January, even though you might be able to not have visits. Mm -hmm. We might have to balance going and seeing some club games in Florida where we can uh, mm -hmm. around the games. Um, we're trying to have an ID camp uh, January 31st off campus, sure. um, which would give us an ability to bring some people that are interested in our program to Jacksonville for one day. That's one of the things we're hoping changes as well. Um, so that would help us out, right? If we can have 130 yeah. kids show up and we're, you know, we're running the, the thing, that would give us an idea. Um, and then from a game standpoint in the spring, you know, the schedule's not re released, but it's finished. Right. I'm really proud of, I, I was, again, another example, I was super proactive with reaching out, knowing what the parameters were from Coach Moon on travel and who we could play. I had a list of 11 schools in an area and some were playing and some weren't. So I was hitting them up even before our conference schedule was announced and trying to gauge who might be able to play and, and who couldn't. And so we got two home and two away and you can play an open on that date on February 3rd. And so for us um, to get four non-conference games starting with Wednesday and then playing Sunday and then going Saturday, 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 we're going to have pretty much a one game a week load mm -hmm. except for the start, which is Wednesday, Wednesday Sunday, which for us, I feel, can help out from an injury standpoint that we're not playing midweeks and Saturdays like you are most falls, which mm -hmm. is a lot coming mm -hmm. off of not playing a season um, at all in the fall. Because that's when injuries, you're seeing a lot of injuries across pro, pro sports on, on all levels across the world. So for us, I feel like there's a good balance to the spring in terms of us really getting into a rhythm. There's not going to be heavy travel. I think mm -hmm. we're over, only overnight twice. That's going to really enable us to get into a really good rhythm and avoid fatigue um, and maybe having to rest too many players that are that are standouts for us. 
yeah i mean in some ways the way that you presented it there it simplifies your mind a little bit just being like all right it's kind of like you know you know the one game a week situation but it's simply about what's happening on the field i gotta focus on that which could be positive um today and and um a lot of signees are being announced um anything that you want to share about the class that's coming in yeah we've got three 2021s that are signing um right now and we're not finished with that class but we kind of are taking our time because everyone gets an extra year of eligibility mm -hmm. so we've been having ongoing conversations uh taking our own at pace and we'll do it next week we're going to have end of end of season meetings going into the spring so we'll have some of those conversations with people letting them know what our mindset is going we might have two extra years or you've got an extra year mm -hmm. so we can balance that out with what we're bringing in but the three that we've signed um they make us more athletic um which is really exciting for us um that we're able to bring in a couple more attacking options uh i think it's a striker and a, a wide guy that he's played some right back and then he's played across you know seven eleven nine all three attacking and the other guy as well um and 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 for a while guys that can come in and maybe push but we're not counting on if we're bringing back guys to play right away which really helps us because that that loads us up a little bit, maybe increases our roster a little bit, provides us with more depth um, in case of injury. And then we're probably looking still for one or two more pieces. Uh, as far as successful recruits of yours in the past, Alex Morell, I was able to talk to him a couple weeks ago. Um, you were able to reel him in from Bradley. Funny story there. I was in the same graduating class in high school as him, and I was enrolled at Bradley before backing out. So we could have been classmates, but it turned out the other way, and he was really successful for you guys. He also has been doing great uh, at Greenville. They just won a title. Uh, what's it like to see a player like that, you know, continue to improve with his game, knowing what you had influence on? Well, I mean, I think in 15, what you saw this season for him was similar to 15 for mm -hmm. him. Um, I think he had his ups and downs, obviously getting drafted in the MLS and being the second pick in the second round and then being with Chicago Fire and getting some minutes there, but didn't really play him. Then he bounced around to Louisville, Tampa. I think he went through his own growth and, and maturation process, just like he did here to get to where he is now. And but the good part is we got to talk to him right as he was entering his season, uh, like really right at the end of preseason. And his two points of emphasis were one, taking care of and investing in his body. So he didn't get injured uh, and even more than he already had and had been doing. And then two was he, he lacked consistency the year before with Tormenta where he started hot, had the first ever goal at their stadium and then had some goals and assists and faded. So that was really something that he told us, I've got to be consistent with goals and assists and impacting the game all year long. And then you fast forward to the end of the season, they win a title. Um, he is up for MVP of the league uh, and, and got player of the month twice, player of the week like four times. So happy for him, right? Because he had been moving to MLS, USL, USL one. And now I think he's gotten some consistency He's obviously picked up some great advice. He talked about what respect they have for John Harks, mm -hmm. who's a U.S. you know men's national team legend. Yeah. Um, and so for Alex, I'm just happy for him. He saw he goals and assists consistently, dangerous in every game. Um, and 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 he lo he talked about loving his teammates. I think he settled down. He's got a got a got a girlfriend in, in Greenville. He's really loving Greenville, which I lived for six years. Yeah. So I, I know it's a great place. I'm just happy for him to see his success. Um, come to fruition. 
So you've had a lot of years now under your belt uh, as the head coach, and you have a lot of connections with former student athletes. How do you keep in touch with, you know, everybody? I'm sure that's I a mean, lot of work. Some more than others, like Casey, you know, Casey's yeah. opening, he's franchising Dairy Queen. Yeah. He got out of transportation logistics. He was so busy. He was working while he was doing our Zoom interview this summer. <laughs> as he was opening the store, and employees were coming up to him while he was engaging in conversation. So that gives you an idea about Casey. Um, yeah, I kept up with guys like Diogo, Teddy, um, Camilo reached out. Uh, I talked to Jay Bolt like once a week. Uh, Alex and I have texted throughout the season. I bothered him for pictures and stuff that you guys <laughs> yeah. wanted. Um, and I know he had the talent talk with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so going all the way back to even my first class, you know, we've kept up with some of the guys, Schusler, Simon, Ivan Castro, guys that have stayed around, Sly. Juan S. Um, talk to Micah. I think him and uh, and Castellanos are playing for a local amateur team called Inter. Um, to try to get stay involved in soccer in the community. Mm-hmm. Josh is trying to make a comeback. So I've talked to a lot of the guys, but intermittently here and there, some more regular than others. Uh, but it's been great to keep up with them. You know, we want to find talk to Nick today about finding a creative way to get him back to maybe a game and doing event different than what we've done in the past in the spring because we're going to be in season sure uh yeah it's a lot of names to keep in touch with but it's one of the fruits of being a coach for no doubt um anything that you want to bring up to the forefront Derek or share about this year or any other you know things that you want to share about the team yeah I mean obviously you've had to be creative because they're playing against each other this is the longest period of time as a coach that I've ever just you're coaching for like, it's like you're having a, a full semester preseason to play in the spring yeah. with not even one exhibition game. So you're playing against each other. And I think a couple of the unique things that come with that are first, they get to know each other yeah. as players, their tendencies. We told our guys, don't be disheartened if you're losing a battle to, you know, LJ or Adam or Herbie or one of these guys in the back consistently. They know your tendencies, whereas the other team, even if they do scouts, they're not. Yeah. one game basis so we've said we want to make this environment even harder than what you'll face when you face the real games so you know there's been times where it's gotten chippy and competitive but one of our mantras is bring the fight so it, it exists you know how can you maintain a level head and create those moments of of intensity um, game management uh, urgency maybe you're down a goal you know we've been able to create and reenact that within the group uh, but they've been kicking each other. So mm-hmm. I think they'll be eager to get out of that. So that was one thing that was unique with the pandemic, just trying to manage that because they're going up against each other for almost four months. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, you, at the end of the day, you're a competitor, but, you know, it is hard. It, it is hard because you want that, you know, feeling of being able to defeat another team or to go up against another team. But at the same time, when you're getting stopped as a forward, buy a back that's on your team you know when it does come time to play they're going to be for you so i mean there's that one positive too <laughs> and then there's you know we've done point totals for for comp days you know at the end of the week we have comp mm. days in various competitions that we put on where you can earn points so we've kept a running tally of that um i'd say the other point of emphasis coming off of maybe our covid break was um fitness mm-hmm. so you know we've worked with coach burt and and kylie and now colin Mm-hmm. out there who's out there this week so twice a week you know really hitting the conditioning I think will pay off we felt like coming off of a break 
after we've been grinding for so long that reaching a higher level of fitness going into the, the four weeks that they're going to have off here once we hit Thanksgiving, we've only got a week more of training that where we peak at with that and then, then maintaining that over the break is going to be critical when we come back. Mm-hmm. We'll just have the three weeks to get ready to start playing games. So when you guys do finish up uh, here, here soon for, for a bit, what is, what is the message you want to leave you know, for your guys? Uh, it's just got to be maintaining the level of fitness that we have just achieved with the runs. They, they can't go home and for Thanksgiving. And they can eat for one day, but then yeah. they, need to, you know, they, need, they need to maintain their level of fitness, work on the ball. They don't want to drop. If anything, maybe some guys could increase it. Um, you know, and we're hopeful that the school's not shutting down until the 18th, and obviously the basketballs have started. Mm-hmm. So we might have almost eight guys that are still here. Mm-hmm. Some of our internationals are not going home. So maintaining a connection with them, with Kylie, so that they can do work all the way up to when the school closes, I think, will be a benefit for those guys and the local guys that are in the area, like a Herbie or a Geo, that are a Mirza, that are in town. Um, they can stay together as a group um, and kind of push along all the way up to what is that? Uh, two weeks before we report back again, mm-hmm. which I think will benefit them. Yeah, even more importance on having team captains that are about cohesion right now i'm sure for you guys and establishing that as a staff and emphasizing that right now um before we go derek anything else that you want to leave with no i mean obviously we had hoped to get our product out there this fall yeah with a few of the scrimmages it didn't happen but we were in, in we were able to shift gears from it identify a few areas that we really wanted to up you know, our, our, our middle to bottom half where we're at from a fitness standpoint, we could attack that. Um, and just that we're hoping that we're going to put out an exciting product. We're experienced and our goal is to challenge for a championship coming in the spring in the A-Sun and get back to the NCAAs. Well, thanks for joining, Derek. It's always a pleasure to talk. This is episode 46 of Talent Talk with Coach Derek Marinatos. Thanks for listening to Talent Talk. Find the complete archive along with feature articles on unfospreys.com by going to fans and Talent Talk podcast series under the Multimedia tab.